attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will cl see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for, the, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So far the reading. Great. Thank you, Art. This is, again, a sermon request. And I wanted to start just by passing this around. I received this from uh, Mrs. Mazaru in Tabor when I was pastoring there. And uh, it is a famous Dutch painting by de Groot, The Broad and Narrow Way. And so I have it hanging in my office. And it shows you the, the broad way that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life. And it's one interpretation uh, Walter Land has also made a painting. I've not seen it. Have you seen it? He's done a painting of the broad and narrow way. Walter Land is an artist, and he always puts seven birds in his paintings, right? Always seven birds, sign of the presence of God. And so just take a look, pass that around as, uh, as we begin. That's one uh, artist's rendition of this passage. People of God, as we reflect on these words of Scripture, the, the, the initial request comes in relation to verses 13 and 14 that we have that contrast before us. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So that's the one, one way. Uh, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And so, so we want to contrast those two gates, those two ways. To begin with, we need to recognize this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a, a three-chapter combined expression of Jesus. And so even uh, having Art begin reading at the beginning of verse 7, you, you could go back to chapters uh, 6, and we read from chapter 5 just the profound teaching of Jesus as he is, is bringing many wonderful truths to light in regarding judgment, uh, in regarding the, the plank in our eye, how we, we judge others, in regard to ask, uh, seek, and knock, and, and God will open the way. 
verse 12, the, the golden rule, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. That's a, a powerful way to, to live out the love of Christ, that you would do unto others what you would have them do for you. And then, then you are fulfilling the law and the prophets. So tremendous, tremendous things to, to reflect on and meditate on. We will focus in on the narrow way, the narrow way that leads to life. Now, as Jesus is here uh, summing up, he's really summing up his, his, his message for these three chapters. It's towards the end. So he is, he is bringing together aspects of what he's talked about. And he has talked about already the, the invitation that it's, it's inviting people onto this way, in this way, and then the reality that is difficult that it is a, a difficult way. And so, even at the end of the Beatitudes, if you noticed as I was reading from chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. And then towards the end, Jesus says too, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you. So it's not just fine and fun and easy. It's, it's difficult. There are challenges. And so, so the sense of that comes through here as Jesus is speaking about a narrow way that there is, there is going to be uh, persecution, there's going to be difficulties, even in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about our righteousness needing to be greater than the Pharisees. He talks about loving our enemies, well, that's, that's challenging to pray for those who persecute you. And so that, that narrows down the numbers who would do that, who would be drawn to that, who would think, oh, that's the way. That's the way to live. That's the way that I'm called to follow Jesus. And so there is this sense of a narrowness, the narrow way. If you see in the picture too, it's a, it's a small gate. Um, above the gate here, it, it, even very tiny print, sometimes it's called the straight gate, the narrow gate, that, that, that it's, it's just, just almost a cut in the wall, just very difficult to get through. And then leading to a narrow path that leads to life. Now, the first thing that, that we can uh, recognize in this is the followers of Jesus, as his ministry progressed, and as they understood it after his death and resurrection, that they called it the way. So, for example, in Acts 9, as uh, Saul is persecuting the believers, Acts 9, verse 2, Saul, before he becomes known as Paul, it says he asked, in Acts 9, verse 2, uh, the leaders in Jerusalem for letters 
to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way. So there's a sense of, of those who were followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. And this was then the narrow way. This, this was a, a particular a gate, a, a path that they were following. Uh, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So they were experiencing persecution for following the way. They were on the narrow way, and they were being persecuted. Uh, again, in Acts 19, um, Paul is ministering uh, in the synagogue in Ephesus, uh, and some of them, it says, became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So in Acts 5, it says uh, in verse, or Matthew 5, verse 11, the Beatitudes, blessed are all who, when you are insulted, persecuted, and people say false, all kinds of evil things against you, when they malign you. And so, so these, these followers of the way are, are being, yeah, maliciously talked about. They're, they are being publicly maligned. Acts uh, 24, verse 14, where Paul is before Governor Felix, and he's defending his life, his walk of faith. And he says, however, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect, but he's speaking about being a follower of Jesus. But he uses that phrase, the way. He is on the way. Those, those people are on the narrow way. So, so that's picked up from the, here in, in Matthew 7. The followers of Jesus, hearing his words in terms of, of the narrow gate and the narrow road, the narrow way, are following the way and are experiencing some of the sense of, of the difficulty that that does bring, the challenges that it brings. So that, first of all, there is a, a real sense, as Jesus is teaching, that, that those who followed him were following in the narrow way. So that's what we're looking at. Then, what, what does it actually mean, narrow? If you, if you see that, the, the, the sense of, of between the narrow way and the wide way, uh, the wide road, the narrow gate, the wide gate, the, the sense of narrow is single file. Single file. And I'm not sure if you, have you done some hiking and stuff, certain places, if you're out on a pathway... And, and certain places you have to go single file, right? You have to follow one behind the other. It just reminded me a little bit of Crypt Lake when we hiked in Waterton. And I've, have any of you done the Crypt Lake hike in Waterton? You go across the lake, you have to take a boat across, and then you go up, and then it comes to a point where, where you have to go through. It, it's, it's basically along a cliff face, and... and it is, it is yeah, several hundred feet 
up and down, and you were kind of crossing across the middle, right? And they've actually strung a cable for you to hang on to, and you kind of shuffle along with your face to the wall, and it's, it's single file. You just make your way along, and that's all there's to it. And there's no, no options there. It's a narrow path, a narrow trail, and you go single file. So the picture here is narrow. It's a narrow way. It's, it's single file. And the contrast, then, is to the wide road. I think between, between the term way and the term road, though it does, it does use the term here, uh, small is the gate and narrow, the road that leads to life. But road to us is big again. And it's, it is narrow. It is narrow. So if, if we distinguish it a little more between the narrow way and the wide road, the, the wide road is, is very wide. It's, it's many alongside. So walking, walking 20, 30, 50, 100, 100 abreast, 1,000, everybody. Everybody can just walk forward. Like it's, it's, it's wide. It's wide open. And, and the picture of wide is that, yeah, People are, are seeking, even in contrast to the narrow way where you single file, follow one person. If you just, you flip that around in your mind and, and every person, every single person is following their own way. So that's the contrast. Instead of all of us in a line following Jesus, we all turn and we all make our own way. And so that's, that's very, a very wide, wide swath. And that's, yeah, I'll do what I want. I'll make my own way. And so, so you see the contrast between, between just the one and, and the many. And in our society, we, we live in, in a culture where there is very much that sense of, of people making their own way, their own spirituality. People have all kinds of, of recipes of how they find their spiritual self, uh, who God is, and, and there's all kinds of, of you, you speak to people who are, who are using crystals, and you pe- people, people who are, are taking some, some ancient uh, stuff and, and doing whatever they want with it, and, and mixing and matching. And you, you ask people about how they are progressing spiritually and, and where their spiritual center is. And, and they, they come up with all kinds of strange and unusual things. And this is all supposed to be fine. And this will all somehow get people to where they need to be, which is kind of a heavenly thing. So it's so so you have that wide road, tremendously wide. People even just trying to do good in their own way and feeling that somehow if there is some kind of God, he will be okay with that and everything will be fine. And everybody just decides for themselves. And so 
That is the contrast between the narrow and the wide. The narrow way is single file. And in that sense, there is only one way. And the singleness of it is, and the narrowness of it is, that it follows one person, Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's like if, if you are following one person, then, then that, that way is pretty much set. Like if, if, if we decided that we were all going to follow, say, Peter, we were going to follow him from here, and we're going to follow him home, and we're going to follow him wherever we go, and we're all... And through the night and through the day. And, and if you're following one person, everybody is going exactly the same way. Everybody is making their way, following that person. And that's, that's a narrow road. That's, that's a, an individual, that's a, a definite path. And so that's the, the sense of our following Jesus. He is the narrow way. Jesus is the way. So, though we recognize that, that there is this wide variety of thought and conviction and, and things that people wonder about and efforts that they are making, there is, we say, only one path, one way. And so, with confidence and love, that's our confession. There is only one way that leads to God and to life, eternal life, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus says that over and over. In uh, John 10, verse 17, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the gate for the sheep. The sense of, of his being that narrow gate, him, only him. That's the narrowness of it. Uh, John 14, verse 16, we'll come back to it a couple times, but Jesus here says specifically, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's, that's very narrow. That's, that's the focus on one person. And you follow him. And then again in Acts, as, as the church was reflecting on who Jesus was, Acts 4 verse 12, Peter in his uh, speaking about Jesus says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So that's, that's pretty narrow. That's pretty specific. That's, that's the only name. That's the only way that we would be saved. And then 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, where as the church continued to reflect, and in the letter of Timothy, Paul to Timothy, he reminds him, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So only one. Just the one. 
And again, John, as he is speaking uh, to the church in 1 John 5, reminds the church that he who has the Son has life. So it says here, too, in Matthew 7, that the narrow way leads to life. So he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So those realities of the message that the Bible presents, that's, that's the narrow way. This is what we confess. This is what we believe. These passages are extremely exclusive. It's, it's very narrow and overwhelmingly clear. Jesus is the only way to heaven. So there's a narrow way, a narrow path. We, we single file, single focus. Jesus is the way. That's what it's saying. And so we listen to the word of Jesus. We reflect on his presence and power in our lives. We remember in the the sacraments, we we celebrate Good Friday and Easter. We continue to come together around that one revelation, presence, power of God, Jesus our Savior. And we hold to that truth. We find when we do that, that that is offensive to the, the others who say, no, there's many ways. There's a wide road, and you are being narrow-minded. So, yeah, we are, being, we are being narrow-minded because it's a narrow way. And so that reality in a culture that we live in of, of great diversity, it is a challenge to make and maintain that claim because people feel too we are we are being arrogant intolerant and very narrow-minded i i think you should remember as we uh, hold to this truth as jesus spoke these words uh, the time that he was ministering included as well as we have today. Like there's a wide variety of, of, of faith expressions today, all kinds of spiritual things going on. In Jesus' day, there was lots as well. I wouldn't want to compare particularly exactly how many, but there were many. There were many different thoughts of different gods and different ways to interact with the spiritual and the divine. And so one example in terms of Acts 17, verse 16, when Paul is in Athens and he is waiting to speak to the people, uh, the learned people uh, on the Areopagus, and while he was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly disturbed to see that the city was full of idols. So there were all these different idols, all these different ways to interact and and progress in your faith. And there was a wide variety back then too. And so there's a wide variety now and the message stays the same. The message is, wait a minute. And Paul in Acts 17 says too, he goes on to tell those, those Greek learned people There's only one way. That's his message. 
There's only one God. And so he stands up in front of them all, and he points out too, you have all these different things and different spiritual things, but you need to turn and follow one, one path. There's one narrow path, and that's Jesus. So the, the presenting of the gospel in that sense is the same in our day as it was in that day, and we are called to proclaim the truth of following Jesus. That's the narrow way. One of the responses when we uh, insist on this is people will say, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. That's a common response. That you can come up to people and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's, that's the center of my life. And, and people who couldn't, uh, don't, don't know or don't care about Jesus at all will say to you, oh, that's fine. That's fine. That works for you. But it doesn't work for me. And it's interesting how Jesus, when he speaks about himself, says, I am the way, and then I am the truth. And so, so when, when people say, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me, well, that's, that doesn't make sense. I mean, either something is true or it's not true. And Jesus is the way, and that's the truth. And there is one truth. And so you cannot pick and choose what's true or not true. And so Jesus, in a sense, anticipates that argument that people say, oh, you take that narrow way, uh, that's good for you. I'll take the wide way, that's good for me. Say, no. The truth is there's only one way. And truth is truth. Jesus, speaking in John 14, adds that to the understanding of the way, and we need to continue also just to, to recognize, too, that we are bringing in grace the truth of God to a world that's searching for the way, and to share the truth is what we are doing, just in a gracious and compassionate way with those who are wandering in the wrong way. How narrow is the narrow way and the narrow path? When it speaks about narrow here, it means, uh, yeah, narrow, narrow. It's so narrow that you need it has the sense of you need to leave things aside to get through. So it's good to reflect on the narrow way, following Jesus, but it's a narrow way, it's a narrow gate, it's a narrow path. So, so you have to leave things behind to get through. You can't bring all kinds of earthly goods, all kinds of fancy extras, all of the things that this world claims are so valuable and important. It's, it's a single focus. 
It's a simpler servant lifestyle. It's, it's a narrow way. It doesn't have a lot of baggage. It doesn't bring and hold on to all kinds of stuff. So there's, a, there's that sense of it. There's also the sense, uh, and that's, that's from Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 19, where Jesus has been speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. So there's, there's a, a teaching in that sense Jesus has already been bringing, right? That there's a narrowness in that sense. And there's also a narrowness in terms of, of personally. Like, it's almost as if you, you have to strip right down. Like, like even, even, like you have to squeeze through. Like you have to, uh, like you couldn't wear a winter coat to get through that gate. And, and so, but it's even more, it's even more uh, in the sense of, of that you have to leave behind things like selfishness and self-righteousness. So I think I'm so much better than everyone else. You have a swelled head. You have a, a, a false sense of righteousness. You have to leave that behind. You have to set that down. That won't fit through the gate. You don't go through the gate because you're so good. You go through the gate because you are a sinner who's been saved by Jesus Christ. So that shrinks your pride. You have to leave your pride behind. You can't get through the gate with all your pride. Oh, look at me. I'm such a great person, a great Christian. Of course God loves me and saves me because I'm so great. No. Then you're not following Jesus. And so the sense of narrowness includes those kind of things. Self-denial, humbling yourself, being obedient to Christ. In fact, in the passage, there's, there's two senses of the word narrow. There's two words narrow. The first word narrow, enter through the narrow gate, has more the sense of, of leaving things behind. And the second one, where it talks about going on the narrow road, verse 14, is the sense of a wine press. That, that you, are, you are squished down. You are narrowed down, all right. You are, you are just, just totally, totally humbled and compressed before God. That, that your worth is, is, is nothing, but Christ is everything. And so it, it has that sense of, of coming very humbly that we are followers of Christ not for any, anything that we have done or earned or deserved in any way. So then we are ready to, to go through the gate and we are following Christ when we humbly confess our sin and hold to him and follow him as our Lord and Savior. So that's, that's also included here, that sense of this is a narrow gate. It's nothing we bring. It's nothing we are in ourselves. It's Christ. He is our hope. He is our center. We follow him. That's, that's the picture, a real following of Christ. So for us, too, 
It's a narrowing. It's a, it's a, a coming fully into obedience to our Lord in grace. Finally, you, you recognize this in the life of, of Paul himself. It makes me think of Paul when, when he is writing about his life and, and in a sense the pressure, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 to 10, as he is, he is bringing the gospel, he is seeking to follow Christ, and he says the result of that, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, see? That there's a narrowing, but we are not crushed. He says, we are perplexed. We don't understand it all, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. See, Jesus is, is the center. Jesus is everything. Jesus is our life, our hope. He is our, our center. So we are not crushed. We are not despaired. We, are not, we know we are not abandoned. And so there, there is the reality of the, the narrowing of the difficulties that come, but that are our center is solid and sure. Uh, also, the words of 2 Timothy uh, 3, verse 12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will have to endure some sense of, of, of the struggle that it is. And so that reality is involved in following the narrow way in seeking to follow Jesus. And that brings us to Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 24, where he says, If any will come after me or follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book, The Cost of Discipleship. Have you heard of it? The Cost of Discipleship, a famous book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He is a German theologian during the Second World War. That book is a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it's, it's focused on. And so he is going through all these things very carefully and just reflecting deeply on what they mean. And in his life at that time, it meant to stand up and criticize uh, the Christianity of Hitler's Germany. That's what it meant. That, that you had to, in following Jesus, take a stand against what was being taught and said by the Third Reich, by Hitler's uh, agenda. And the cost of that, in the end, was he was imprisoned, and just before the end of the war, he was killed at the age of 39. And so, so you have the sense of what, what's involved is is of great significance, of, of great importance, of great centrality in a broken world. And it's a costly thing. Our faith in that sense is a costly thing. And so we recognize 
that call on our lives. Christ, as followers of Christ, we, we see the cost and we seek to be those who recognize that Christ gave everything for us and so we would also be ready to give ourselves in his service, walking faithfully with our Lord. The, the end of Jesus' words here is the contrast between where the roads lead. The one leads to life and the other leads to destruction. That comes back to Jesus saying in John 14, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. So that's again from here, that the way is, is the true way that leads to life, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and it leads to life. And that life is eternal, of course, but it's also present. And so that's a, a sense of living now for our Lord, that our life can be lived with a confidence, with an assurance that we can stand and we can say in our culture, I'm a follower of Jesus. And we can be assured by the Spirit that, that what we're saying is true. And we can just lovingly, uh, clearly give that witness to people. People ask, what are you? Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, are you a follower of Jesus? Yes, I am. And, and why is that? Well, because he, he died for my sins. And what does that involve? Well, I want to do and, and serve him and, and live for him. That's what I want to do. And we can live confidently and, and in that assurance. That's life. A confident, sure, thankful living, following our Lord. That's living even today. That's that's the sense of, of going to bed at night with a confidence, getting up in the morning and looking into a day where there's all kinds of uncertainties. But I'm a follower of Christ. So I have a certainty that as I trust in him, even though I'm perplexed at times, even though it's, it's tough at times, I know. I know where I'm going. I know he's with me. We, that's, that's living. In, in contrast, the wide road, all uncertainty, people unsure about where and what and how and why, and that's not life. And often, too, even people even having given up on any sense of eternal life, there, there is such hopelessness apart from Christ. And so the gift of faith, the gift of following Jesus is life, both now and and eternally. And so that's what we hold to with confidence, with thanksgiving, with joy. That there is one way and that we seek to follow that way and that Jesus calls us today to follow him again. Just with confidence and joy to walk in the truth that he is the Savior and that he continues to lead us by his word and by his spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to give you thanks for your love in Jesus Christ, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and being our Lord and Savior, 
We thank you that you sent your spirit to guide us and keep us and that we can trust in your presence and power even as we continue to make you central to our everyday living and that in our lives too, in what we say and think and do, that we would have the desire to follow you. Forgive us when we wander. Help us when we are weak. Lift us up when we feel downtrodden. Protect us when we are challenged and when we are uh, subject to ridicule by those who, uh, who don't follow you. Lord, we pray that you would keep the witness strong in our fellowship, in our church, in our country here where uh, it's not, uh, it's not uh, even acceptable anymore often to use, uh, to use your name, Lord Jesus, in a public prayer. Lord, may our witness continue to be strong and sure. Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in us and through us as a witness to this world, to your presence and power, and that we can continue to build your kingdom as you lead us by your word and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.